Hi, and welcome to Nation's State of Play. I'm today's host, Hannah Miller. On each episode of this podcast, we explore high-impact topics determining the future of our nation-state. Our guest today is Assembly Speaker Pro Tem Kevin Mullen. He's the author of a new proposed constitutional amendment that will allow 17-year-olds to vote in primaries if they will be 18 by the time of the general election. It's a proposal that could begin to change chronically low voter turnout amongst young people. I hope you'll listen to this important discussion of a potential change to our voting laws that's long overdue. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast today. We're very excited to speak with you on this particular issue. Although I am one of the producers of the show, I'm also a 17-year-old living in California. So not only will this amendment impact me, but it will also impact a lot of my peers and my general age group. So the first thing I'm going to ask you is, can you explain to me kind of what kinds of things California has authority over when it comes to voting? versus what the federal government does. Well, Hannah, it's great to be uh, with you to talk about the 17-year-old primary vote. Uh, it was ACA 4 when it went through the legislature, got two-thirds vote in both houses, uh, did not have to be signed by the governor, unlike a normal bill, because it's a constitutional amendment and ultimately will be voted on uh, by the people of California. But essentially, uh, ACA 4, now Proposition 18 on the November ballot, uh, if authorized, if voted by a majority, approved by a majority of California voters, will allow 17-year-olds to vote in primary elections if and only if they'll be 18 by the general election. So I know we'll be talking about the merits of that. But uh, to to your question about uh, the role of states in elections. Uh, Election administration is primarily a state and county level function. So you hear a lot about, um, you know, the Voting Rights Act on the federal level and some efforts to uh, provide some funding from the federal uh, government. Uh, The Help America Vote Act, for example, HAVA, uh, was an act, a federal act that moved dollars out to the states and localities uh, after the 2000 uh, Bush-Gore debacle in Florida. You're a little too young for that, uh, Hannah, uh, but uh, I just turned 50 this year and I remember that uh, 2000 contested election uh, very well that ultimately was decided by uh, the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, but essentially the federal government plays a role of, of, of p- putting some funding uh, forward and creating some standards, but election administration is really uh, a state and local function. So I, I live here in San Mateo County, and just to give you a little uh, example, uh, my county, San Mateo County, has been a real leader on voting by mail. Um, we used to call it absentee voting, uh, but now San Mateo County uh, is one of uh, the what is called uh, voters choice counties which essentially are all vote by mail counties with uh, voting centers located uh, throughout a community for folks who still want to vote in person uh, or, or drop their ballot off, for example. But every voter in my county and a number of counties across California and in a number of states as well, most of them in the Western part of the United States, uh, every voter automatically gets a ballot. Uh, in California, it's postage paid. So we're making it easier than ever uh, to vote. 
Uh, but some states uh, are actually actively creating barriers to voting. And not to get too political here, but voter suppression is real in a number of states. We in California have a, a, a approach that's focused on inclusion and making sure as many people can vote as possible. Uh, but elections are run by local county elections administrators. In my county, we have an elected uh, chief elections officer who also happens to be the assessor, county clerk, recorder. Uh, the structures are different county by county. Some have registrars of voters like Los Angeles County, our largest county by population, uh, has a uh, appointed registrar of voters, uh, Dean Logan. Uh, so the structures are different, but the, county, uh, the counties run the uh, elections. The chief uh, elections officer for the state of California is our secretary of state, uh, Alex Padilla, and he uh, has an oversight role uh, among the 58 county uh, elections officials and uh, works on legislation uh, with regard to elections uh, issues and democracy issues in California. Uh, so uh, I think people sometimes get the impression that everything emanates out of Washington. As somebody who's a little biased and works in both state government and came from local government, there are lots of issues that we deal with at the state and local level. Uh, and I, I think um, young people in our high school civics classes, uh, I'm, I'm, my hope is that teachers spend a little more time talking about the role of states and the role of localities because we are uh, laboratories of democracy, we like to say. Uh, a lot of policies are developed at the state and local level that will occasionally uh, matriculate uh, up to federal uh, policy. But uh, thank you very much for the question. Yeah, I agree. Um... So you have kind of already talked about it a little bit, but what exactly does this amendment entail? What does it mean? Right. So this uh, has a kind of a long history actually within my own family. Uh, my father, Gene Mullen, uh, was a state assembly member uh, from 2002 through 2008. But prior to that, he was a civics teacher for 33 years at South San Francisco High School, public high school here. Uh, in my district. And um, he spent quite a bit of time on civic engagement issues with his students. He would take them to city council meetings. Uh, he would take them to, uh, I think they would occasionally go to the school board meetings, but they would get like extra credit for attending local public meetings. And he was a real local government advocate, I would have to say, not from a political context, but he wanted to show his students that you can really impact policy. You can impact decisions being made in your own community by getting involved and um, going to your council meeting, having your voice uh, heard. But he also talked about registering to vote, um, the mechanisms of voting and those kinds of things. And when you're a teacher in a government class, you have a little bit of a captive audience there. And you certainly don't want to be uh, instilling your political beliefs in any way on your students, but you can talk in general terms about issues, of course, current affairs, um, how issues are getting deliberated in the public context, but also how young people, when they register to vote, um, can be thinking about uh, issues, how they can impact the political process as young people and how they can strengthen their voice um, but what's interesting is uh, many of his students, for example, would register to vote after they left his classroom once they turned 18. 
And the thought was, what if uh, students could register to vote when they were 17 uh, and participate in elections, uh, assuming they would be 18, the age of uh, majority, uh, and sort of the constitutionally established uh, voting age of 18. And uh, he did a little research and discovered it was happening in, in dozens of states uh, across the country in, in different ways. Many states, 17, I think it's actually 18 now, 18 states allow 17 year olds to participate in primary elections if they'll be 18 by the general. And in a handful of other states, they have caucuses. And, and caucuses are uh, generally more uh, sort of run by the uh, political parties, but 17-year-olds could participate in those if they'd be 18 by the general election. And the thought was just sort of the policy basis for this is if you're going to be voting on candidates in the general election, you ought to have had the opportunity to shape those, that field of candidates in the primary election. So you're having to sort of live with the results, if you will, of the primary election in the general election. And if you're gonna be participating in that, why shouldn't you have had a chance to at least shape the field, if you will, in the primary? So it's looking at the election as a cycle, which is really what it is, a primary and then a general election. It's an election cycle. So I think there's a strong sort of policy grounding there. And it, I don't believe in any way that it's a political issue is not being designed in a way to benefit Democrats, for example. And unfortunately, that long history uh, entails my father trying this amendment twice when he was a member, ultimately a member of the legislature uh, himself. Uh, he tried it twice, was unsuccessful, couldn't get it out of the House of Origin, the assembly. Uh, one of his colleagues uh, sort of took up the mantle and introduced it uh, unsuccessfully. I myself have tried this twice before, unsuccessfully. This year, finally, uh, on the sixth try, uh, we were able to get the two thirds vote in both houses. And now um, it's still an undecided uh, deal here. The voters of California still have to vote for this uh, uh, in November, but really California has led on so many issues around civic engagement we, um, Hannah, you're, are you 17, Hannah? Yeah. So 17. you're 17. So right now in California, we have pre-registration for 16 and 17 year olds. So you can't vote yet, but you can pre-register. You're on the voter rolls and there's a whole online registration uh, process through the Secretary of State uh, in, in concert with counties uh, to get you on your, the voter roll uh, in your county of residence. Uh, but all of that's happening in California. We've done a lot, but we're really behind on this issue of 17-year-olds voting in primary elections if they'll be 18 uh, by the general. So really, we're, we would just be the latest state uh, to join that. But I think it's a good thing for democracy. It's a good thing for young people. It sends a message that the state of California cares about young people, uh, students learning about voting and um, engaging in the process. And uh, we were able to pick up a couple of uh, Republican votes uh, in my house and in the Senate. Uh, unfortunately, it historically had been viewed in a partisan context, in a partisan lens, as if we were trying to create more young Democrats. And in reality, younger people, the trend line 
is that younger people are registering no party preference. If you look at the raw numbers overall, there are slightly more Democrats uh, than no party preference voters, but young people disproportionately are registering as no party preference. So it's really not being done to create uh, any political benefit for either party. It's really about creating lifelong voters. And the, the statistics show uh, once you vote, you're more inclined to become a habitual voter, uh, regardless of your political persuasion. Uh, you're more inclined to become a habitual voter. And I think that's a good thing uh, for democracy, especially because if you look at the numbers, younger people vote uh, uh, in lower numbers than older voters. So the power of the youth vote is something that uh, ought to be encouraged. Uh, so we make policy and, pol and, and the political process um, is, is one that would be responsive, more responsive to the concerns of younger voters as you're dealing with college affordability and jobs uh, issues and becoming uh, full-fledged uh, uh, participants in society. We want to, the political process wants to hear from young people. And this is a way to, uh, to incentivize that and encourage that. Yeah, totally. So why do you think California is so behind on this? You mentioned that several other states already had passed this. Um, yeah. Why do you think California is behind? You know, Hannah, I wish I had a good answer to that question because in my floor presentations, I would tell my Republican colleagues, look, these 17, now 18 states, uh, 24 total states that allow this either in primaries or caucuses, these are so-called red states and so-called blue states. It's not as though those 18 states are democratic states. There's an organization called Fair Vote that keeps track of all these things, but these are so-called red and blue states across the country. So I would share with my Republican colleagues, hey, this is not being done for partisan purposes. Um, I think for some reason, it just got caught up in a political and partisan context we were finally uh, able to, a couple of different dynamics there. Uh, there was a super majority of Democrats elected in both the assembly and the Senate. So we had the numbers to pass this, but I it was important to me that it not be a straight party line vote because I genuinely believe that this is not a partisan issue. It's a civic engagement issue. And we were able to get a handful of Republican votes uh, and those individuals, my colleagues, Republican colleagues, uh, acknowledge that this is not a partisan issue. It's about engaging young people uh, in the process. So I think, um, you know, I've been, I've been a legislator for seven years now. I watched my father uh, be an assembly member for six years. I worked as a legislative staffer for Jackie Spear, who's now our Congresswoman, but she was a state Senator and a state assembly member. And I witnessed, and she was an incredibly effective, is an incredibly effective legislator, but particularly in the state legislature, she had a tremendous legislative record of accomplishment. That, that the most rewarding bills that she got passed would sometimes take five or six tries. She would come at an issue and what happens is over time, you're educating your colleagues. Over time, you're sort of softening up the opposition, if you will. 
And there's also something that builds a little bit if you can show that, hey, I, I have been at this now <laughs> for a number of years. Um, your colleagues, if they were a little iffy on it, they know how much it means to you, how important it is to you. That doesn't always win the day, but I think there was a recognition among my colleagues that, hey, this is like attempted six times here. This is the best shot. And candidly, it's a very good ballot to be on because presidential election, presidential general elections have the highest turnout of any election cycle. So we really want young people to get out and vote for uh, Proposition 18. It's a little confusing because we're talking about 17-year-old votes and it's Proposition 18. Uh, but we're reminding people that you still have to be 18 by the general election. We're simply saying, uh, that the Constitution will be amended to allow 17-year-olds like yourself, Hannah, if you would be 18 by the general election uh, to participate uh, in the primary. Yeah. So we have seen pretty nationally that voter turnout amongst 18 to 24-year-olds, like that age group, is like very, very low. So how exactly would this bill help to change that? <coughs> Excuse me. So my hope is that um, once young people see the mechanisms of voting and frankly, how easy it is to participate, uh, easier than ever before uh, with voting by mail, that they'll become habitual voters. So this will be an opportunity to uh, <clears throat> have young people when they're in high school, before they leave, before they graduate, because once, once young people graduate from high school, um, it's, it's a little unclear. It's not as though every, uh, every graduating senior will be on a four-year college campus where there are voter registration drives and so forth. Some young people enter the workforce. Uh, some uh, young people go the community college route. Some will uh, go to a four-year uh, university. But uh, you sort of uh, lose them and their attention and those, those graduating seniors will disperse and you hope that when they turn 18, they become registered voters or like you, Hannah, that they pre-registered uh, to vote. You hope that's the case, but it's certainly not a guarantee. I really believe, and, and the numbers bear this out, that if you look at the youth turnout in the states where this uh, is in place, you have a, a marginally a better turnout among young people so I really think it's about uh, sending the right messages to our young people about the importance of civic engagement, the importance of the most fundamental act of democracy, uh, exercising your franchise uh, uh, and voting. So I believe it's all, it would be part of a concerted effort to, with the building on the 16 and 17 year old pre-registration process, uh, enabling 17 year olds to vote. And uh, this alone won't be enough to dramatically change youth turnout. I'm realistic about that. But it's one more tool to make it easier for young people to engage directly uh, in voting. And um, I think it builds on the existing uh, 16 and 17 year old pre-registration effort. And ultimately though, I think um, we need to look at politics in general. What are we doing sort of collectively to not only make it easier for young people to vote, in terms of giving everybody a, a vote by mail ballot, uh, postage paid. And when, when, where, we, where we have done that, the all vote by mail 
at the county level, youth turnout did go up. We actually have the data that supports that, but that's not enough. Like we have to make our politics speak to young people about issues that are relevant and important to them around potentially college affordability or community college access or direct access to apprenticeship uh, or other workforce uh, challenges that young people, especially in an economic environment like this, where we have a, we have a recession, we have a, a economic uncertainty. Um, life is difficult for young people facing um, this uncertainty out there. We need to have a politics that isn't just focused on the concerns of middle-aged folks and elderly folks who turn out uh, in elections, whether they're primaries or generals or gubernatorial elections or municipal elections or presidential elections. Young people need to be turning out in, in all of those elections to have um, uh, their voice heard. But we in the political class, so to speak, we need to do a better job of not only reaching out to young people in a campaign context, we need to be talking to young people about issues that resonate with them. And we, the political class, will be more responsive though to those concerns that you, Hannah, have as well as your, um, your colleagues. Uh, we will be more responsive if we know that that voter turnout is improving uh, from the 17, I'll call it 17 to 24, uh, that, that really uh, young initial uh, cohort uh, on, the, on the voter rolls. Yeah. So I guess my next question is, how can people, and particularly teens, help spread the word about this? In schools, in the community, what can we do? Well, thank you for that question, because we are actually formulating that today, as a matter of fact, I have a conversation uh, and I want to give a big plug to my assembly colleague, Evan Lowe from Campbell. He had a constitutional amendment that would have been a straight lowering of the voting age to 17, uh, regardless of uh, becoming 18 by the general election. He would have actually lowered the voting age to 17. He and I have been, um, you know, we, we were both supportive of each other's efforts. Ultimately, I think he saw my ACA as an opportunity to actually go to the ballot and get it passed. He joined forces with me and he uh, is a fantastic legislative partner. He's got a coalition of, of youth voting advocates that are working on this issue. Uh, the League of Con California League of Conservation Voters, as a matter of fact, is a primary sponsor uh, of this effort, Proposition uh, 18. And we're going to be having a, a strategy call this afternoon. But um, let me be clear, we need young people to vote for this uh, measure if it's going to be successful. It's, it's um, one of these things that we hope will motivate um, college students, for example, uh, recent graduates, um, those who've recently become 18 to say, yeah, I would have liked to have that opportunity to vote in say this presidential primary we just had in March in California. We need to generate enthusiasm among young people uh, for this to be successful. So what, what I would say to that is stay tuned. And we are hoping to have the support of the California Democratic Party uh, formally behind this. I would love to have the Republican Party. I don't know that that's possible. 
Um, but uh, I think uh, the League of Women Voters and a whole host of a common cause and other groups that care about civic participation ought to be part of our coalition. So uh, my hope is that we'll be successful and that uh, this will be one of the things that drives young people uh, to vote. Uh, even though it's pretty clear, I think, uh, the direction that California will vote in the presidential contest, there are a whole host of uh, other uh, candidates and other measures on this November ballot that need young people's attention. So I'm hoping that this will, uh, this will drive young people to vote uh, uh, this November. And is there a particular website that people can visit to find more information on the bill? Wow. Another great question. So we have yet to formulate the precise URL on that, Hannah. So that'll have to be a uh, that'll have to be a follow-up question. But I know that uh, just as a starter, uh, the California League of Conservation Voters, as the primary sponsor here, uh, they will have information up on their website. We, as a matter of fact, uh, just literally uh, today are finalizing the ballot arguments. So there will be information on the Secretary of State's website. It's uh, casos.ca.gov, I believe. But if you type California Secretary of State, uh, there'll be all sorts of information on there about Proposition uh, 18. And I think that you'll probably see a yes on Prop 18 uh, campaign uh, getting underway in the very near future. Uh, and because this was an ACA and not a citizen-driven uh, signature gathering effort, this is something that was put on by the legislature. We just put this on. And here we sit in mid-July. People will be voting at the beginning of October because so many people will be voting by mail in California. Uh, so we really have a very short window to generate a lot of uh, excitement and enthusiasm. But I, I appreciate the opportunity to participate in this podcast and we will be getting the word out, Assembly Member Lowe and I and our coalition partners will be getting the word out as best we can uh, in the very near future. But we don't have a lot of money to purchase uh, fancy television ads. This is going to absolutely be a grassroots uh, social media driven campaign and we absolutely are going to be engaging young people first and foremost to really help us get the word out to uh, all of uh, their friends and colleagues uh, so we can get the word out about um, youth turnout and why this is a good thing for the, uh, for the state of California to embrace. Well, thank you for being on the show today and speaking about this important issue. And I look forward to seeing ACA4 on the ballot in November. Fantastic. Thank you, Hannah. Appreciate Thank it you. very much. Great to talk with you. Thanks for listening to Nation State of Play. Our producers are Hannah Miller and Jacqueline Artiaga. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. For more information, click through the link on your podcast app to our homepage.